No, we don't like green. <laughs> we, we don't, don't oh. like green. Although, do no. we know that we don't like green? Because as we d- discovered, Oregon wears different colors all the time. What even are the colors of our art trials? Every love, color. So here's what we're, we're going to discuss this a little bit, because uh, I've been getting a little bit of shit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, it seems to be the consensus that I am the one constantly tweeting from Belligerent Beeves, uh Twitter. And there are a few typos this weekend. And as Ben Weehage, Benjamin Lawrence Sebastian Weehage, knows from misspelling Brandon Cooks one time, <laughs> I do I do not suffer typos. <laughs> I don't want that associated with me. There are more than one people who are tweeting from Belligerent Beeves. <laughs> and then I went on and so, said the Belligerent Beeves feed is spicy tonight. If I ever do that, I'm not tweeting from the Bebe's account. This seems like a cop-out. It's not a cop-out. Yeah. Alright, I'm gonna fuck it. I'm gonna throw you... JP is the one who always tweets from Belligerent <laughs> Beeves on Twitter. I was gonna keep him mysterious. It's not me. It's under Nicotina. <laughs> it's you and it's Andre Nicotina. And his name is Nicky, but you can call him Dre. But he only tweets one day. So, anyway... <laughs> Friday night during the Ducks-Cal game, JP was the one like, I'm just going to fuck with people on Twitter. And was firing off hot take after hot take after hot take with a typo like in every like fifth tweet, whatever. And then blaming the typos on me as if, you know, the, the way I would do, like I'm tweeting and tweeting negative things at myself. And then people are Photoshopping my face onto random gifts as if I'm the one who tweets with this account. <laughs> um, which is funny, but the the Oregon Cal game was actually really fun because of how shitty Oregon played and how funny mm. your tweets were, JP. Uh, oh would, man, it would have been more fun so had Oregon lost. But the reminder that Oregon once wore orange in a game is something that we can't let you know fall to the ether in the history of this rivalry and the history of Pac-12 football. We need people to remember that Oregon showed up to a fucking football game with orange on their jerseys, on their face masks, on their shoes and socks and thought it was a good idea. (laughs) And I I put this in the text thread, but that was so weird because they wanted to be uh, like a caricature of what their mascot is, right? They wasn't yeah. they they weren't that was the idea. Design they weren't designed to look like a duck. They were designed to look like a cartoon duck that happens to be their mascot. And <laughs> and that is just what they are. They're a caricature of a of a decent program. Most cartoon ducks have yellow beaks and yeah. yellow web feet. Why couldn't yeah. they make face mask yellow? You know, one of their colors. <laughs> no, this was like this was in there during the era though where they pretty much wore a different color every game. I'm pretty sure this they was had the a same pink season. jersey. They had a pink, they had a black, they had a silver, they had a white, they had a gunmetal or something. Oh yeah, the yeah. pink ones were but dog the pink shit. ones. Yeah, yeah, they were really bad. I mean, good cause, worthy cause, terrible sure. execution. Like yeah. you don't make your entire uniforms when you're like pink when you're not wearing your own school colors at I'm, all. I'm, sh- I'm sure a hundred percent of that money went to breast cancer awareness research <laughs> right right yeah every <laughs> single merch sale no but uh the there was also the time that they wore like cal colors like literally the entirety of their uniforms they were, they were navy blue and gold yeah because like, they're supposed yellow. to be the oregon flag <laughs> yeah so yeah. Dumb. Oh, yeah those ones were awful holy yeah. shit the flag that has a beaver, a beaver on it, on it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah who's well, designing these yeah. fire them all fire oregon. everybody oregon honey just why like it's 
it's so easy to make fun of you, even when your football team's good. Like you make it too easy. That's what I I love. There are Duck fans on Twitter who are like just agreeing with us too easily. Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, man, these jerseys are garbage. And I can see in the tweets that JP is sending from <laughs> at the Lynch B. <laughs> <laughs> Basically saying, fuck you, don't agree with us. We want war. We don't want peace in here. But yeah, I, the, the Oregon flag ones were so bad because no one could tell that they were Oregon flags. They were just wearing Cal uniforms. <laughs> That's right. God. Yeah. What kind of terrible gimmick are they going to come up with next? Like, it's just going to be so embarrassing. Kind of like know. their near loss. Yeah, that was a rough game. That was an epic Pac-12 after dark game, though. That is what Pac-12 after dark is all about. It was crazy. It was, you know, a little, a little ridiculous. Uh, Otson was booing the shit out of Anthony Brown Jr. Way to, way to support your guys, uh, Duck yeah. fans. And, and they he, were hella just quiet, too. Like, the whole stadium was quiet. Yeah. And he won the fucking game for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, yeah. I would have I preferred him to lose the game for him. But, you know, I, I like seeing Oregon fans eat their words in any respect. You know who wasn't quiet? Who? The Beaver fam on Twitter. That was, though. Yeah. The most fun I think I've had on Twitter in eons. And you can't even give Oregon State fans shit for being just like for like the schadenfreude of it. It didn't even end up being schadenfreude because the Ducks pulled it out. But it was an Oregon State football bye week. You know, what, yeah. what else do you want? Right. Uh, the Oregon State women's and men's soccer games were over at that point. And, you know, it was one of those games. It was on national TV on a Friday night. I think people were settling in. I had gotten home from from work at about you know 11 p.m central time and that game was in full swing so of course i was gonna watch it and i wanted to see cal win without any sacrificing any energy because my team didn't play this weekend it was yeah. a slow weekend outside of that though because no yep. beefs game no niners game it was just me rooting against teams just <laughs> <laughs> most of existence um yeah the, uh, the also today the WNBA finals came to a you know pretty thrilling conclusion. Uh, no uh, former Beavs players in it, unfortunately, but the Chicago Sky beat the uh, Phoenix Mercury in four. Uh, rough Ooh. basketball year for Phoenix. Just I mean, not necessarily rough basketball year, but rough, heartbreaking with yeah. the, the Suns and Mercury eating close, but but no cigar. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the WNBA finals. I was hoping that it would go five, honestly, uh, with the exception of the <laughs> fucking 36 point beat down the other night. It was actually you know, pretty, pretty entertaining, pretty close games. Uh, game two was amazing. And uh, I, know, I just love Kalia Copper on Chicago. She is such a badass. And even though Chicago knocked the Minnesota Lynx out of the playoffs earlier in the season. Uh, but yeah, so. It was. It was a very, uh, you know, what's the word? Just regular ass sports weekend with not not a lot of rooting interest. It was relaxed until like this afternoon for you. Yeah, but as I told you, I'm just laughing about this Viking season. Yeah, this this team is objectively hilarious. The way <laughs> the way we snatched victory from the from the jaws of defeat and then defeat from the jaws of victory and then exchanged it for victory from the jaws of defeat again over and over again was just classic it's classic vikings uh, i'm <laughs> i'm so excited for us to win the division with a nine and eight record and give uh, our gm head coach and quarterbacks like 10-year extensions <laughs> so 
It's, it's the Vikings way. It is the it Vikings, is the Vikings it's way. It's the Vikings way. Just barely make the playoffs. And <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And that's it. But the Vikings did win. That's exciting. Um, what about the Ole Miss-Tennessee game? I didn't see the Ole Miss-Tennessee game. But I, just, I didn't either. I didn't see you guys didn't watch that? I saw, I saw a little bit about this on Twitter that the tennis, I know, I know Ole Miss won in thrilling fashion. I believe the final score is 31 to 26 at Rocky top. And then the Tennessee fans were in a mood. What, what all no, before you know that what happened? Probably because Lane Kiffin was fucking egging them on. I don't know if you guys follow Lane Kiffin on Twitter. Uh, if you don't, you should, because he is hilarious on Twitter. I have no idea what happened in the game, but I'm assuming he was involved. At some point, Tennessee fans had had enough. They were sick of watching Lane Kiffin run away with it. So they started throwing debris on the field. Oh, every nice. beer, water bottle. Someone threw a mustard bottle. <laughs> a, f- a, m- a mustard bottle. Like, where do you... That was like a regular size mustard bottle, which begs right. the question, how did that get in the stadium? Because most mustard containers, I know there's mustard at concession stands, but they're like the industrial size yeah. mustard dispensers. And I've seen the bags that go into them that are filled up. This was like a, a small you know, French's uh, mustard, French's mustard you have yeah. in your home. So did someone bring in their own mustard? Be like, I like the mustard I bring from home better than the mustard at Rocky Top. And then, and then just had enough and threw it on the field. It didn't make sense why that bottle of mustard would be in the stadium. No, but like either way, there was just debris everywhere. Like the the uh, dance team evacuated. Tennessee's own band evacuated off the field so they had to like pipe in like digital music of the band after the band was there because (laughs) tennessee started making a comeback so after like fans were like pushed way back away from the sidelines they all started kind of running back down to their seats like close to the field again and they were almost they almost won their quarterback like on the final drive got injured and then they had the backup mm. come in who clearly was not aware of how much time was left on the, the game clock. Yeah, that was and Joe just, Milton, right? The Michigan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he tried to run out of bounds of time had already expired. And it was like they had a chance, though, like they had a legitimate chance. Were there a lot of fans that left? No, but they were like they had to stop play for like 20 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Well, I've had several beers today, and then I went for a 3.2-mile run. It was not a fast run. It was not an enjoyable run. Uh, put the run in beer run, uh, to say the least. And, I, dude, so I went to uh, the liquor store right by my apartment. This is kind of like the the janky liquor store that I go to when it's, you know, within like two hours before we're about to record. And as we've mentioned, there is nothing in my refrigerator. So I have to put something in my refrigerator. So I have something for this show. And I got a uh, a winter variety pack from Castle Danger Brewing Company, which is a brewery in northern Minnesota on the North Shore in Two Harbors, Minnesota. Beautiful, beautiful area on Lake Superior. It's great. And the dude scanned it and it made some kind of like <laughs> sound as he did that. And he was like, that's weird. And then he scanned it again and went <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? And he's like, oh, I can't sell this to you. And I was like, I I was like, I promise I'm 21. Actually, I'm quite a bit older, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Like, no, I can't sell it to you. I'm like, why? He's like, it's not supposed to be out yet. 
And I look and like there's a like a row in this like in the fridge. There's like 12 more cases behind the case that I grabbed. And he's like, they're not supposed to be out there. I'm like, well, then why are all of them out there? And he's like, I don't know. I didn't do it, but I can't sell it to you. And there's it's like a small liquor store. and There's like seven other people waiting. Um, So I put it away and didn't understand exactly why I couldn't buy the Castle Danger variety pack. But so I just bought the flagship uh, Castle Danger Cream Ale. Uh, That is their most popular beer. I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a wonderful brewery. If you're ever in the North Shore area of uh, northern Minnesota, I highly recommend stopping in. It's a beautiful tap room. They have a great Ode IPA as well. And if you happen to go to the Minnesota State Fair ever, a.k.a. the great Minnesota get together, <laughs> we take our state fair serious as hell. <laughs> Neither of you have been. I need to bring you guys to the Minnesota State Fair. I promise you'll have a good time. They have a grapefruit Ode IPA, and you can only get the grapefruit one at the Minnesota State Fair at one bar in the fair. So Castle Danger, drinking a cream ale tonight, but Castle Danger Brewery does great stuff all the time. Check them out if you can order whatever. I don't know if you can have them shipped out to you, whatever, but it's one of the best breweries in Minnesota and I love it. And the cream ale is delicious. So that is what I am rocking with tonight. Um, I can't remember who uh, I went to first last week, but uh, JP, I happened to be looking at your box and uh, you mentioned there's a Minnesota connection in your beer. So I'm going to kick it off to you because I'm biased. What's up? Yeah, I was going to say, it's definitely from bias. Don't don't pretend like you're no, I, I, playing I, favorites here. You want to know what beer I have. When I first said your name, I had forgotten about it. And as I was talking, I remembered it. So nice. I, Good I recall. Promise, I promise. Good recall. I'm drinking a, uh, a 40 flavors. This one's blood orange from 2019, actually. Okay. It's from Cypress Brewing Company. It's a milkshake IPA. It's very good. Pretty standard, you know, milkshake IPA, but uh, not too lactosey. It actually, this is, it was a revised recipe made with less lactose. So for the lactose intolerant who want to have a milkshake IPA, this one's for you. Uh, the the uh, tie to Minnesota is that the brewery is based in Edison, New Jersey, now, Terry, do you know any Minnesota Timberwolves born in Edison, New Jersey? Is that where Carl Anthony Towns is born? It is. Well nice. done. Hell yeah. Play in tournament. Here we come. Let's get 10th. Let's get 10th. I don't understand this. Me neither. I. <laughs> I think the Timberwolves are going to make the play-in tournament this year, and I will call that a successful season. Oh, I forgot oh. that was a thing. It's honestly pretty awesome. I, I like JP, it. you know it because your team was in the play-in tournament last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Bay Area sports fan, if it's not a championship, it's it's not worth even mentioning. <laughs> Sorry for bringing it up. All right, well, thank you. Thank you for choosing a brewery from uh, Carl Anthony Towns' uh, hometown. Shout out to Cat, the the big guy. I love him. Uh, Benny. Yeah, I uh, am going back to the Vanilla Porter from Breckenridge, but I'm doing it for a reason. And it's not because it's not my mom's favorite beer. Uh, It is because uh, I just purchased plane tickets and tickets to the game for Oregon State at Colorado. So I was really excited. Yep. Um, And I thought that that was going to be uh, a nice little 
uh, relaxing game that I could watch the Beavers run up the score. But with how Colorado played this last weekend, I'm not so sure about that. But I'm still very excited about it. Just with how drunk college football has been this year. Yeah. I don't know that we can say that about any game at this point. Like, mm-hmm. like the la- our friend Travis Miller and just uh, following him on Twitter and just like has given us like some coverage to like the Purdue fan like experience of this season. And when they lost to Minnesota, they were freaking out. I even saw some of them were like, oh, Oregon State has figured it out and gone one way since the first game. And we've gone another one. And Purdue beat the number two Iowa Hawkeyes yesterday in Iowa pretty convincingly. Yeah. Did you see the tweet? Did you see their tweet afterwards? Purdue football? Of the player who... uh, No, no, no. Oh, yeah. First, yes. That was was, uh, Greg Long. Is that his name? I think, yeah, who dumped the... Someone threw a Bud Light at him. An Iowa fan threw a Bud Light on the field, so he just took the Bud Light and just dumped it into his face mask and chugged it. Threw his face mask. (laughs) King King shit. King shit. No, I love that. Yeah, we should figure out a way to somehow incorporate the uh, beer segment with with Greg Long. I mean, it's not beaver related, but whatever. It's the first uh, college player I've seen in a long time chug a beer. He's played a game against Oregon State. That's enough enough of a tie. (laughs) But also, no, but Purdue football tweeted afterwards that they they beat the number two out of Iowa. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Purdue's... Purdue's earning points. Purdue is earning points. Also, it makes us look better. Way to go, Purdue. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, we're fans now. <laughs> yeah, they beat Iowa by more points than they beat us. That's right. Sure. So we're like the number four team in the country then. Easily. Easily. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, so Benny's going to the Colorado game. Uh, do you have anything else to say about your Colorado-based beverage? Nah. Or was that it? Nah, that's pretty much it. It's a mediocre uh, porter. It's not as good as a Black Butte, <laughs> but uh, but it mediocre Porter. They have a mediocre football team. Uh, <laughs> it's not Boulder is not a mediocre. Town, no, though. it's a great town. It's, it's an incredible away game to get to. So yeah, I, I've not seen a I'm football. Jealous. I've been to Boulder a couple of times. I've I've not been there for a football game before though. So I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, that will be very fun. If you're going to Boulder, uh, slide in to the Bay Bay's DMs or to Benny's DMs directly yeah. at Benny L 1986. He's not the one who tweets from uh, at Belige Beeves on Twitter. That is JP Bertram unabashedly. <laughs> <laughs> so DM at Belige Beeves and JP, JP Bertram will pass the information along to Benny. Any tweet that has more than five likes is probably mine. Terry. Hey, 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 hey. I've gotten some good tweets off of I'd say 12% of the tweets are mine, and some of them have been good. But yeah, most of it's JP. If you just like the misspelling <laughs> and, and bad grammar that was coming from JP on Saturday night, then please follow me. You'll love me. Right. <laughs> you spelled Brandon Cooks' name wrong. <laughs> it's Brandon with an I for immortality, Ben. <laughs> Dude, I have misspelled more words than I've spelled correctly on Twitter. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. All right. Well, uh, JP, please uh, hit me with our special guest intro music. Um, 
We are super excited. We are joined by new modern Oregon State royalty. We have head coach of the women's soccer team joining us, uh, Coach Lauren Sinicola with uh, her wife, Amy Sinicola, in, uh, from the Oregon State Athletics Communications Department. Thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. This is such a thrill. No, thanks for having us. This is We're excited. This will be great. For sure. Um, we got a ton of questions um, to get into, and we'll try and get through them uh, as quickly as possible. But just overall, you know, we basically all started this podcast as three Oregon State alums who are just super whimsical and find ourselves missing Corvallis all the time. None of us live there anymore. JP is the closest and, you know, makes it down a bit. But uh, just how are you guys liking uh, living in Corvallis, Oregon so far? A town that we affectionately refer to as the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> It's been great. We love it. We were just talking about it today. We went to Philomath and we were driving back to get ready for this and just being able to drive and see mountains and see the scenery. It's just like, I mean, coming from you know the Midwest, you're not driving 20 minutes and really enjoying it because you're not have the, that scenery. But no, we love Midwest, but we love Corvallis. It's we're really happy here. It's beautiful here. The people here are amazing. So we're, we're really loving it. Nice. Well, we appreciate you guys saying that you were coming back to get ready for this that shows you put more, <laughs> more prep into this episode than, than we did um, right, so uh lauren our first question um is for you with oregon state's women's success uh this season it's been really one of the stories of the year in in college athletics uh i don't even know if any you know optimist in the world could have predicted this based on just the last few years of the program's results it's almost it feels like kind of like a spinoff of ted lasso which is i've been binging for the first time and i'm you know <laughs> i'll stop talking about it because i'll just go uh, on a tangent um but has this been at all a surprise to you given uh from your first day with the team and what you've seen uh with them and was there a moment early on when you realized that, that this was a group capable of uh this kind of season and getting some uh, historic results i mean i will never be upset if you bring up ted lasso ever. <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> i just came up with 20 more questions for this episode it's gonna be i am a huge long. fan <laughs> um, no it's um it's been a lot of fun i i to say that i had expectations or or anything really entering in the season season. I, honestly, I didn't really have any, I just knew what was important is I needed to get to know the players. I needed to get to know their strengths, uh, the tools that we had. So when I came in and kind of hit the ground running, cause I know it was a short period of time entering the season from when I was hired, my main concern was getting to know the players and what I, what I was going to be working with and how I could use their tools and the puzzle that I was kind of putting together. And so the first couple of days of preseason, honestly, it was roll the ball out and just let them play and, and figuring things out. And, and when I saw what we had and the strengths we had, the mentality, just the, the people that are a part of this program at that point, after that first week, I knew that we could possibly do something really special. And, and then I think when we hit our first road trip, I think it was New Mexico. And I, and we talked to the team about this was the first time away from the entire group and how the entire group got us to this moment and being able to travel like, and that's, you know, you get to travel you know, you don't have to, you, you, and the team that's back home, you know, working hard and still putting in the work while you're here, getting able and being able to, to compete and represent Oregon state 
Um, like that, that is something that means a lot. So let's perform and compete now for the group that's back home. And the way that our group responded to that and the way that we performed against New Mexico, honestly, I, my eyes just opened up even more that, wow, this could be something really, really special. And, and then just as the, the seasons progressed, it just, adversity kind of keeps getting tossed at us and we keep bouncing back and we keep performing and we keep battling for each other. So it's been in an, a an whole process of, I didn't have expectations because I didn't really know what I was getting into, but they've surpassed anything I had even imagined possible. So I'm just, I'm just really lucky to be a part of it. Awesome. That's awesome. I want to say though, like around that New Mexico game, I think is when we decided that uh, this was going to be a historic season. We were all behind it <laughs> and we, we jumped on the train immediately after that, saying, <laughs> trying to promote everybody to, to follow along because uh, they want to be there for the ride. So that's right. No, thank you. I honestly, you guys' support, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun to follow and I just appreciate it. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Real quick, how was uh, the crowd at Paul Lorenz on Friday? I wasn't able, I had to work. I wasn't able to tune in on Pac-12 Network. Has uh, has the crowd been getting bigger and bigger as the season's progressed? Yeah, yeah. Beaver Nation continues to show up even more. And now that the students, the yeah, even during the rain, the students <laughs> came back on campus. Um, I was a fan of the hashtag, was it start a frenzy at Paul Lorenz? Yes, yeah. that was my favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> frenzy at Paul Lorenzi. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think they stood up for that. Like they were like, even even though it was an unfortunate result for us, even to the last minute when we scored that goal, like the crowd went crazy and they were all for it. And then they stuck around for the men's team. So it nice. it was it was a lot of fun. It was great. That's what we like to hear. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. So well, Amy, I got a question for you. So pretty much uh immediately after you began your position at OSU, responsible for, of course, softball, women's rowing and gymnastics. Uh, Jade Carey wins gold at the Olympics. So what's that experience been like so far for you? How does that compare to other experiences that you've had in your college athletic communications career? Yeah, so I actually, when Jade won the gold medal, I didn't know I was going to have gymnastics yet. Um, <laughs> I actually wasn't, I don't even know if that was even in the works of a job yet for me here. Um but I, when I was going through the interview process and how we did it here, um, I wasn't exactly sure what sports I was going to have. But when I got gymnastics, I was super excited because especially being a women's soccer player at a division one, you're kind of, I don't want to say that you're not football, right? Like, let's be honest, we all love football, but you're not you don't get that attention, but I was super excited because that's what I love to bring in my position. Um, I love to bring like every student athlete deserves that experience having gone through that. Um, so I was super excited to be able to work with Jade and all of my student athletes, to be honest. Um, Jade's great. I mean, she's the most humble um, student athlete I've ever been around. Um, obviously, it's kind of funny. We share the same experience. We got on campus the exact same day. I started the first day that I um, started at Oregon State was her first day here. Um, so we got thrown into the fire a little bit for, so like for 10 days before she left for her tour, um, there was a lot going on. We had a media day for her, which was really exciting. Something I've not had to do with one particular athlete. Um, so that was kind of cool. And also, obviously I don't know being in the Midwest, I don't know a lot of regional media. Um, so I was able to kind of connect, um, with a lot of Portland news, um, shout out to Orlando. Uh, but, uh, 
So no, it was, it was a great experience. It's been great so far. Unfortunately, Jade hasn't been around now um, with her tour, but I don't know. I, I think that's my mantra that I always say is giving all of our student athletes the experience that they want and that they deserve. And being, like I said, a former division one student athlete, I understand what it's, what it is day to day and what they go through. And I want to, my skills and experiences that I've learned throughout my career, I want to give them the best experience possible. And I'm super excited about this. And obviously I've not had a sport yet, like go on um, all of mine are, <laughs> all of mine are in the spring, but it's fun to cover them outside and get to know them. And that's, I think that's what makes all of our jobs and their experiences the best possible is to develop that relationship with them and then being able to get the best experience and like, putting them in the right situations that I know that they can be in. So I'm excited about that. That's cool. As a quick follow-up, since obviously they're not in season yet, but like what kind of involvement do you have for things like name, image, and likeness for somebody like Jade, especially? So we don't really have a lot, um, honestly, to do with that because we are like, because I'm associated with Oregon State, I'm employed by Oregon State. I don't have, like, I don't think I'm actually allowed to do speaking with compliance, like I'd love to help Jade out more, but like, because I'm employed with Oregon state, I can't help her out with endorsements and things like that. But, um, because especially she can't take, you know, like our media stuff and things that we do to potential endorsements or potential sponsorships because it's Oregon state associated. Um, but what I can do is best promote not only Jade, but all of, especially our gymnasts, um, are very good at, um, NIL stuff and are very aware of all this that, Hey, I'm going to promote these people. I'm going to tag all of these athletes because then that allows them to share, which then allows potential sponsorships to be like, Oh, this ex athlete is associated with Oregon state. They're very successful. So being able to promote them through our social medias, then, gives them a better platform with other sponsors to understand like what we do. So it's the, it's the wild west with NIL. So (laughs) (laughs) we're all learning day by day. So this this is another question for Amy. Um, So you've essentially been responsible for communications of of virtually every college sport that's out there. Um, What, what are some differences uh, and similarities uh, working as an SID at Oregon state compared to like IU South Bend or, or Western Michigan? So definitely IUSB is different because I was a one man show there. So I was in charge of all 12 of our sports along with facilities, marketing, sponsorships. I kind of acted as an administrator without the actual title. Um, So it's a good thing and it's a bad thing, right? Like I enjoy not having to do all of those extra, extra duties because my love is to be able to promote and to put out on social as much as possible. And so like at IUSB, I just wasn't able to because I just couldn't extend that much. I couldn't do videos. I couldn't do graphics as much as I wanted to. Um, so it's exciting to be here now to be able to have my own sports, to be able to promote my own student athletes, to only focus on that, not like, Hey, when are the officials coming and when are they arriving and when's the opponents coming? And especially during COVID, I know it's, it's still here, but the amount that we had to screen and things like that, like the other duties as assigned that I had, um, it's, it's nice to not have all of those, um, So that's kind of the adjustment that I've had to make now. Um, But as far as Western Michigan, I think, honestly, 
shout out to the Broncos and PJ and all those people and my former bosses. But Not about baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I learned I learned a lot there because as a GA, as a grad assistant, um, like they gave me women's basketball. And I learned a lot in, in regards to media contacts and being in, being in contact with those people. And I think that put me in a really good spot to be where I'm at now, um, to be able like professionally be um, excited and confident in myself, uh, which allows me to be where I'm at now and help kids like Jade and, and things like that. So, you know, I think, you know, Midwestern Michigan is a what am I, what I'm mid-major school, but at the same time, I was allowed to do a lot of things and I got a lot of responsibilities put on my shoulders as a grad assistant that helps me beat where I'm at now. That's cool. Well, I'm, I'm joining this from Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Minnesota Golden Gophers are a distant second for my favorite team, but I've, I've enjoyed PJ flex time uh, in Minneapolis so far. So uh, definitely shout out to the Western Michigan Broncos. Um, This is a question for both of you, maybe a little bit more so for Lauren, but um, so you guys uprooted your lives to move uh, across the country from the Midwest uh, for this opportunity. And Lauren, you have been a head coach for a uh, a women's soccer program before. So I imagine you had a, a pretty good notion of what you were looking for in your next head coaching opportunity. Was there anything specific about Oregon State's program or or Corvallis that let you know that this was the right opportunity for you both, or did it simply just feel right? That's actually an interesting question because never once in any of my jobs have I thought about like what's next. Um, so even when this job opened up, like I was happy at Notre Dame, I was very focused on, you know. <laughs> I, if you were to ask me a year ago where I'd be right now, I'd technically be flying back from Virginia with Notre Dame because right. uh, I just played Virginia tonight. Uh, so when this job opened up, um, there was an intriguement that caught my eye because my brother is from Portland. Uh, he lives there now and it's a big 12 program. And I, when the job opened up, I was like, yeah, like this is, I'm interested, but I'm not really sure. I don't know much about Oregon state. And so when the process kind of took off, it was very, very fast. And I still wasn't really sure during like the interview process, like via zoom, I enjoyed the conversations, but when they flew Amy and I out, uh, it solidified it all for me. It was not only did I feel welcomed, but they made Amy feel a part of the family right away. I mean, I'm probably known as Amy's wife on <laughs> campus. Like, the chief of everybody, and I was just there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but it was when I came, when we came on campus, there was no question anymore. Like it would, they, I just, I met the people, I met some of the players. I, I saw where we could be and I just, I felt at home. Like we felt at home very, very quickly. And so it wasn't really a question from there. And um, yeah, so at that point I was just, I found, I found myself feeling that I, and we could invest our family here and we could make something really special of Corvallis of the women's soccer program. And at that point I was, I was sold. There was, there wasn't really a contemplation for me. Nice coach. You mentioned family and of course, Oregon State loves referring to itself as like a broader family. We call our own audience and listeners the Beaver fam. And we try to incorporate everyone into that. But you guys are actually family, both of you, right? So how did you guys meet? And did you ever meet on the field as opposing players? 
Uh, we, so we never met on the field. Uh, Thank so, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so her high school best friends were actually my college teammates. Oh, wow. And she, I, she was recruited at Michigan state. Um, I, we always joke if she would actually went to Michigan state, we probably would not be married. Uh, <laughs> um, but it comes from a loving place. No. Um, so we met because my, my teammates and my best friend, Joe Fleetstra was my goalkeeper at Michigan state and was her goalkeeper and basketball teammate in high school. So she actually invited both of us to Grand Rapids, Michigan, to just meet up, not knowing that she invited both of us. So she set it up. And uh, have okay. you heard of Founders Brewery? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So we met right. at Founders Brewery. Love it. We'd have a beer segment on the show every <laughs> episode. <laughs> have we? I, I, maybe. I, have I had a Founders beer? I feel like we have. All day mm -hmm. IPA. And it probably would have like been their Terry. flagship. It's everywhere. It All right. Well, Hey, Founders Beer, if you're like, we've been, so another seg, like recurring bit is we're trying to get a brewery to sponsor us. So if there you guys go. have any connections, <laughs> let them know. Uh, yep. The first target was Nikasi Brewing. They sat on it too long and messed it up. Now that offers off the table, but Founders Brewing, if you're listening, yeah. <laughs> we have a weekly beer segment. It can be, it can be yours. And that is where, so you two met at Founders Brewing. We met at Founders wow. and had our rehearsal. Yeah, we actually oh, got wow. married in Grand Rapids oh, and had a rehearsal awesome. there at Founders. What's your beer of choice then? Ooh. I, I'm an all-day IPA fan. Nice. I like Rubeus. It's like a nice. strawberry berry ale. Nice. Great. Yeah. So, I, I love their breakfast stout. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of good ones there. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. That's incredible. I, I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, we need founders come on like this is too, this is this yeah. is too good it makes right. too much sense now yeah um so lauren this sure. is another question for you uh a, a big part of your team's success this year uh has been getting quality play from the the young players particularly uh mckenna martinez and juju barker uh who were both named top drawers top 100 freshmen uh, uh, in the rankings coming into this year. So what have you gotten from them uh, so far this season that surprised you by how successful they've been this early on? Honestly, um, yeah, I mean, first of all, I, I say this every time. Like, I'm, I'm very grateful and fortunate that I have walked into the team that I have. Um, I didn't bring any new recruits in. I didn't change anything. I was just like, let's go after it the way that we are. And I love the way that we are. So I'm very grateful that I have the group that I have and, um, the freshman class that I have. And, you know, one thing about, you know, you spoke specifically about Mart, uh, McKenna and Juju, and, and there've been a couple of freshmen as well that have transitioned. Well, I, I think that's always such a challenging thing coming from a freshman. I mean, a senior in high school to a freshman in college is, is that transition period. And you're recruited for a reason. Like you're, you're recruited because you think you're the coaching staff thinks you're going to be an impact player. And it's really that transition period that you can take advantage of to do it early on or wait for a year or two to, to be impactful. And, you know, you speak about Juju and, and McKenna, and then I think even about Sawyer and Amaya and Aiden, just the players that have been impactful. It's like they, they transitioned in so quickly. 
Um, then Juju and, and McKenna, and you speak of them specifically, it's like they came in day one and there was just no holding them back. Like Juju, I tried and I tried throughout the back line and she just continued to solidify that she was meant to be a center back for us. And just that from day one on, she just solidified that role for herself. And um, after that, like to say I'm surprised, no, is because there wasn't even a time period where I could be surprised because they just came in and they they took it over right away. So it just, it's just, I'm just really happy for them that they took advantage of that transition period. And like, they're just continuing to, understand their roles and grow within it. And because they're starting having that success so early, like they're even finding themselves in leadership roles. Like Juju, for example, as a freshman, you know, Maddie Ellsworth goes down against Cal, KK goes down against Stanford. And now we're having conversations about how you're leading the back line. I mean, that's just great as a freshman and for her, like she earned it, you know, and she, she's earned the team respect and I'm just really happy for them to be surprised. No, because I didn't have a time to be surprised. I'm just really happy that they're taking advantage of it. That's awesome. That, that, that's a crazy position to be in as an 18 year old as well. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. To go, to go quickly off script though, uh, just to kind of chime in on how would you describe like the fire of this team though? I mean, like obviously UCLA didn't go as planned. Even still, McKenna still trying, fighting for that goal that late in the game. I mean, how would you describe the, the team's like grit, I guess? I think just they're just resilient. Like they really are. It's this team has gone through so much before I even got here. And even, even now this season, they, they just people people keep trying to knock this team down and they just won't let it happen. And like I said, uh, I don't really know if there's much coaching. It's just them and, and putting them in a position to believe in themselves. And for McKenna to get that goal the other night, even after we're down four to nothing, that was her first conference goal, I believe. Mm-hmm. And like, great. Like she needed it. I mean, to start off hot and then kind of be on a little lull for conference. Like I hope it just opens up more after that, but this group, like this team, they're just resilient young women. And like I said, anything that gets thrown their way, they find ways to bounce back. And I think it's because they just believe in each other and they love each other. And I'm just lucky to be on the ride with them. So uh, I'm just, I'm just really proud of them. I know, I know we'll bounce back after UCLA. And the statistician in me is thinking, okay, there's like what, five minutes left. I'm thinking, okay, this is the first time we've not scored all yeah. season. Then here McKenna is <laughs> just yeah. scoring a goal. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Probability was in your favor. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. This is statisticians jinx for or reverse jinx. And <laughs> then um, well, we're of, of course thrilled to hear that the, the crowd at uh, Paul Lorenz has been great. That, you know, Beaver fam is starting frenzies at Paul Lorenzi uh, from early, early, early and often. I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I love that. that. Let's keep that going. Let's keep going. Um, but I still imagine there's a, a number of, you know, people who, uh, despite the team being 11 and three and in a position it hasn't been in in a lot of years who have not gotten a chance to watch the team play i know some of the games have been on pac-12 network um as someone who lives out of market pac-12 network is difficult uh i can say fubo tv is a great alternative everyone <laughs> <laughs> now offering uh free for free week-long uh you know trial periods um but coach how would you sort of describe the the style of uh the way your team plays i know you've you know you've like a good coach, you've been giving all of the credit to to the players, but um, is there any way that you can sort of, you know, describe, you know, how the team plays, you know, how, like the way they approach the game and uh, what uh, they're, they're like on the field? Yeah. Um, 
Well, I think, I think the first thing was we deciphered like what kind of system we wanted to play after I spoke earlier about just rolling the ball out and letting them play without much coaching and just figuring out what kind of tools we had. So after figuring that out as a staff, like what strengths we have and how we can use it to our ability and, and push forward, I think we discovered a system that we thought would work well. And honestly, when we presented it to the team, they bought in right away. Like there was no question marks. They didn't doubt anything. They were just bought in and ready to go. And a lot of that is like, we have to be the aggressor. Like we have to press, we have to make teams uncomfortable. Is it going to work every single time? Like we will face really talented teams. Like I'll say right now, Stanford, we were defending a good amount of the time. So like us being aggressive, wasn't working our favor, but even saying that, our players and our team were so bought into our defensive system that we put in play for them uh, to, to, to perform against Stanford. And so we do want to be aggressive. We want to make teams uncomfortable. We want to send numbers forward, but we also need to be really disciplined and organized when we defend in our own half. So like the aggressiveness and how we press and how we attack, but then defensively, we want to be super organized. So that's something just giving the the team that system and those like those characteristics on the field and those pillars that we stand by. Um, sorry, our dogs are shaking. But like that, I think that just gave them a good framework of what we can really focus on. So if something is going out of the way, like, for example, Cal after Stanford, we weren't being aggressive. We weren't pressing. We weren't trying to be the ones that ran the tempo and it, it bit us at the end of it. And so just, you know, reiterating and reminding them of like what has made us successful and making sure we get back to those things, I think has helped us. So hopefully you see us being aggressive. Hopefully you see us being press pressing teams, making them uncomfortable, uh, sending numbers forward, but being really organized and how we defend in our own half is something we talk a lot about. Awesome. And have you ever quoted Ted Lasso in your addresses to the team? <laughs> I don't, say yes. I, I definitely use the word believe a lot. Nice. <laughs> is, is, is there an orange and black believe sign in the locker room? There should be. I may have it written on my desk somewhere, but. <laughs> there you go. I love it. Uh, speaking about dogs from off the pitch to the living room. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Tell us about your dogs. Come on. Either you get, either you can take it. Go ahead, Amy. We have three. So before we met, I had um, Roxy and uh, Leo. So we have a golden doodle and then who's his name's Leo. And then a basset hound cockapoo mix Roxy for mine. And then when we met, Lauren has a Yorkie poo. So oh. now we are a family of five. Love <laughs> it. That is Reggie. awesome. She forgot to yes, name his him. Name's Reggie. Yes. Right. So <laughs> Reggie, Roxy, and Leo. Yeah. That's amazing. And they're you can follow them on Instagram. Instagram. Yes. Instagram. Boo, boo crew three. Boo boo crew three. three. It's like yep. it's like two live JP, please play five seconds of any two live crew song. I don't care what <laughs> Um, who, who crew three I, I love that so much nice i have, the, have ironically we were both number three in college so that's Ooh, yeah. okay and, oh nice and i think i've just i would see i we did do a little bit of research going into this but i believe both of you guys were midfielders as well is that true well i i was a center midfielder my entire life i think okay. i played like two times as an outside mid and two times as a forward but I was more of like the utility knife is what people say. Okay. So I uh, was recruited as a defender, played outside back as a freshman, and then 
we troubled, we had trouble scoring. So like, Hey, me just go up top. And then I was pretty successful um, as a forward and then just got moved to attacking center mid. So I just, you know, okay. did whatever, I guess. <laughs> Would you say that nice. midfielders make the best coaches since they kind of have to be in conversation with the whole field? Do you have a thought on that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I asked you to put any of your former teammates under the bus or anything, but I mean, you think like, right. Like, so everyone probably listening to this assume, like is very familiar with football. So they think, okay, they know what quarterbacks are. And I think honestly, center mids probably are very similar to a, a quarterback, which doesn't make sense because you have people in front of you and behind you. But at the same time, like you kind of said, like you're very aware of what's going on all around. Whereas like if you're in the back, like you only see what's in front, particularly. And then when you're up top, it's really only you're not seeing as much in the back. So like as a central mid, it's it's more like a quarterback because you understand everything that's going on and you see everything that's going on. So maybe I am not trying to be humble here, but um I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, I'm not arguing like I was center mid. I'd like to claim I'm the best coach, but I know I'm not like, I just think it just really depends. Like, I mean, I've worked with many coaches. I work with coaches now that play different positions. And I think what make the best coaches are the ones that want to adapt and change with the, with the, with the game and they can relate. And I think even the level of coaches, like a club coach compared to a college coach, like those are just completely different. And then a high school coach, like just, just the way that you can relate and, and inform and communicate with your athletes is what makes you good coaches. And then tactically like being aware, like I'm, a, yes, I, being a center mid, I'm aware of a lot of different things, but like a goalkeeper is aware of everything. Just being able to use your tools to your best ability. Is, I think what makes you good coaches, but yeah, I'm not a coach. So Right. That's why I didn't know how to answer that. No, question. I like hearing that you thought that me being a center mid would make me a good coach. <laughs> I actually was trying to trick you. Goalkeeper was the correct answer. Um, <laughs> uh, and on that too, this isn't on the script either, but I do want to ask about your goalkeeper uh, who's played the majority of the minutes uh, in the cage for you, uh, Bridget Skiba, who seems to just sort of swallow up, you know, every possible save uh what have you uh, gotten uh out of her um this this season and uh, what's it been like to coach her yeah bridget i mean she she's she's an amazing person i think what makes bridget super special is just her leadership in general on and off the field uh i was lucky enough to get to know her during my interview process so that was that made my transition very easy just having that connection with her already but yeah, she just, she's a leader. And I think what makes her, one of the main reasons what makes her a great leader is like, she'll accept when she's wrong. She'll, she wants to get better. She knows when she made the wrong call or what she's doing. Like she's just super invested in what's best for this team, not just what's best for her. Um, and she puts this team first and what's great too. I think what helps Bridget is she, she has amazing goalkeepers underneath her that pushes her every day. And, and Izzo and Haley, I think it's just a really good group. And then you have Caroline leading the group with, with coaching and um, yeah, Bridget's solid. Like she really is. She has so much experience. She's gone through many coaches too. So she adapts and um, in the end, she, she has great leadership to her. She, she understands the game. Um, and even this year, I know she's been a great keeper, but she's gotten better this year too. Like she's improved a lot and I know she, she won't stop improving until the job's done, which is great. Nice. And we can't let you guys get out of here without asking, have you guys been to local boys yet? 
We have not. I've been to. Uh, what no. is it? Thai Thai chili. Thai chili. Uh, yeah. Thai okay. chili's down there. Thai chili's yeah. good. I uh, shout out to all my communications people. Um, they've they keep trying to go to make me go to that local boys, but I just haven't gotten there yet. But um, I'm trying to get there. Maybe next weekend when Lauren's gone, she she waits to go to those <laughs> things when I'm gone, just because like I'm. This is gonna be really strange to say out loud, but I'm like really weird with like meat meat at restaurants. Okay, okay, that's fair. I gotta test it out. When she goes and she's like, Yeah, you'll like it, you'll be fine. Then I'll feel <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, so where did they uh where did the program take you in the interview process when they uh flew you guys out? Did they take you out to dinner anywhere? Yeah, uh American Pizza, American Dream. American oh, Dream, yeah. that's what it is downtown. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. it was it was fun. We just sat up on the rooftop for it was like almost two hours for dinner. Yeah, it was it was really nice. That that night, like I told you, like just meeting the people here and just seeing them as not just professionals, but just people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it was just so welcoming here. It's it was just easy to say yes. That's awesome to hear. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. since you're big Founders Brewery fans, have you found your way to any of the breweries in Corvallis, like Block 15, Sky High, or McMinimins? Any of those? Yes. Yeah. All to the above. We actually, where we live, there's the Block 15 and South Town. Yeah, South oh, yeah. Town. Oh, okay. That's a cool nice. spot. Nice. Yeah. And Sky yeah. High is just really easy. It's great to bring recruits there, to be honest, because you see all of Corvallis upstairs. And yeah. It, I mean, Corvallis in general is just, it's right. a great place. Like the more I, more we walk around and actually just not drive and go to a spot, if you just go roaming, you find so much more than you even knew existed, which sure. I love. Yeah. yeah, Sky High opened after we all graduated. Mm-hmm. And I remember being really oh, mad. Sad. And I came back oh, for a game and being like, wait, there's places this nice in Corvallis I was with now? you there, Terry. I it was know, against that Minnesota, was, right? Yeah, that was that Minnesota game that I had a bunch yeah. of people fly with me for. That was, that was a lot of fun. It's a nice place, but yeah. It could have we were opened. like, where was this? If it had opened five years earlier, that that would have been. Bad. Um, I have I have one la- I have a, one more question for Amy that's not in the script. So hopefully I'm not throwing you too far off. But, it's fine. Uh, and in prepping for that, I was trying to find your recent Q and A that was posted on Cosida, and for some reason I couldn't. Higher up on the Google whatever search was a Q and A you did for I believe the Liberty Student oh, Paper. No. Your freshman year. I will email so, like so I won't kick, kicks with something, isn't it? Or something like that. It's it's yeah, it's something, it's like oh, extra God. kick. I don't know. But yeah. you, there is more than one, more than one answer about Harry Potter. I, I love Harry Potter. I have a Harry Potter tattoo on my wrist. Um, I get I get made fun of for being the nerd on this podcast all the time. So I just want to ask you. You're talking to an SID. We're nerds. Of course. <laughs> of course. I worked in sports PR myself for a while, and JP constantly made fun of me for it. You don't really work, Terry. Hey, it was an unpaid internship. It's still work, damn it. <laughs> We're interviewing the Cinecolas right now, not me, all right? Um, Amy, what Hogwarts <laughs> house are you in? Oh gosh, uh, you know I'd like to say Gryffindor because I like the the good in me. But then there's sometimes I'm like I like to push boundaries, mm-hmm. and sometimes I think you know I might be mischievous a little bit, and I might be a Slytherin just a tad. Gryffindors can be mischievous. Yeah. Like- 
So every every little uh, like sorting quiz I take, I end up in Gryffindor, and it makes me mad because it's like too <laughs> how many, many it's are you too, taking? It's too. I've taken like every website. All I'll say is I'm not going to Hufflepuff. <laughs> no, ain't nobody got no, time. See, for I want to be in Hufflepuff because that's like the weird fun one. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Um, what Hogwarts house is Lauren in? Gryffindor. For sure. Why do you everyone, say? Everyone, everyone loves say it with the because, sign and like because the shade. <laughs> <laughs> Gryffindor. Right. Gryffindor. Gryffindor's the Gryffindor. hero. Everyone loves the leader. That's Lauren. Just Hermione ass coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know she says it all with such a negative tone to it. <laughs> I love it. Well, I I think JP is a Slytherin because he's mean. And and, ben, <laughs> and Benny's a Hufflepuff because he's eccentric. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, we're, but we're all in the same wizarding world uh, together. Um, you guys, <laughs> thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to, uh, yeah, to thank hang you. out with us. Uh, Lauren and Amy Sinicola, our special guest tonight. Um, we uh, haven't made it official yet, but obviously, obviously, First ballot inductees to the Belligerent Beeves Hall of Fame. We've got five games left in the Oregon State women's soccer season. Utah, Colorado, Washington, Washington State, and Oregon on senior Ooh. day, November 5th. Boo, fuck the Ducks. Uh, last three of those at Paul Lorenz Field. And what are we going to do, guys? What are we going to do, Beaver fam? Start a frenzy at Paul Lorenzi. There we go. I love it. There I we love go. Like, Signed off on by the coach herself. <laughs> <laughs> I won. I don't yes. care who voted for what in the Twitter poll. I won, <laughs> Benny. <laughs> um, I'll concede that one, Terry. For sure. Thank you guys again. Five more games left. Best of luck with the rest of the season and the rest of uh, the the athletic calendar for you, Amy. Um, good luck this spring with three sports going on simultaneously. <laughs> we'll, uh, Thanks. We'll, we'll pray for you. Everyone get yeah. out to the gill and, you know, support for Kelly sure. Kelly Field. Yeah. That's where I'll be. And nice. if Jade Carey or any other gymnast are like, hey, Amy, I'd really like to just get, you know, some publicity on a podcast. <laughs> we're not okay. going anywhere. We're yeah. hanging out. <laughs> we'll be right here talking about <laughs> Harry Potter and dogs and stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining again. Uh, hashtag beef up. Hashtag go beefs. Chop them. Can't spell chop them without hope. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks, really appreciate guys. it. Thanks for your support. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you guys, too. Thank you. Give, your, dog, give your dogs a hug for all of us. <laughs> we will. Bye, guys. Thank you. Go Beavs. Bye, guys. Go Beavs. Go Beavs. That, was, that fun. was fun. God damn it. They're cool. I just They're really cool. Like... Coach Lauren and Amy, can we hang out with you guys next time we come to Fort Myers? Like, yeah, <laughs> they were so cool. I was so, like, Lauren was like, we take recruits to Sky High because you can see all of Corvallis from there. Like, can we go to Sky High with? Like, this is me pleading, not pleading. That's desperate. But next time we're in Corvallis, like, I, I want to go it's new bucket list item: Sky High with the Cinecolas after starting a frenzy nice. with Lorenzi. Yes. <laughs> and, like, not to mention like having your rehearsal dinner at. At Founders, at Founders yeah. yeah, Founders, Founders Brewing. If you're listening, yeah. you just got gold marketing gold. What a shout out <laughs> for Founders Brewing in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sponsor the pod, you cowards. <laughs> We're right here. We are right Please. here.
Um, but following the the women's game against UCLA, uh, or the men's team just fucked up St. Mary's to the tune of a four nil victory. So Oregon State really won five to four on the night. That's how I think double headers work. It's an aggregate thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the men's team currently ranked uh, there, you know, on a, a collision course with the NCAA tournament as well, uh, going uh, building off of last year's successful season and <clears throat> scoring a lot of goals and uh, winning in dominant fashion. So that that was great to see. Uh, JP, were you able to uh, follow that game uh, very closely on Friday? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I tried to keep an eye on it, but uh, it was it was getting kind of late in the evening after spending two hours watching the you know, the women's team play. But I did my best to, to keep an eye on the game, and Taramondi is a stud. Yes. Like, <laughs> I mean – so good out there. Two goals for, for that game. <laughs> like, they look phenomenal. I mean, they looked just balanced, in control the whole game. I really don't know anything about St. Mary's team. But sometimes you get those small schools and like soccer is like their premier right. sport. And yeah. when I saw that matchup, especially like at this point in the season, I kind of thought maybe this was scheduled because they're supposed to be like a, a premier a soccer school. Yeah. And I grew up in the Bay Area and like Moraga is not far out from from where I grew up in the peninsula. But like, I don't remember. Yeah, they're pretty far south. What? They're pretty south far south. Moraga is, yeah, like right outside of the East Bay. <laughs> I know, Bay yeah. is teams that are farther south. Oh, yeah. The, the further south you are in the southwest, the better you are at soccer and at baseball and at softball. The, the, the We Hate Theory. Yeah. The We Hate Theory. Yeah. 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 We just coined that to start saying about the, the location like, of schools. Yeah. Oh, they're going to be really good. I looked up the yearly climate on Wikipedia, and it's one of the sunniest, hottest regions <laughs> in the American Southwest. So I'm pretty sure their men's soccer program is fantastic. <laughs> are, are the men leading the Pac-12? It's is it Stanford? It's uh, it's Washington. And Washington's they're 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 good. nuts. Yeah, they're twelve and zero and zero. Twelve and zero and zero. Uh, twelve and zero and zero. Yeah, double O's. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's four uh, zero in conference too, but we're three zero and one in conference. So we've got uh, at Washington uh, this Friday in in Seattle, uh, October twenty second, uh, and then host Washington in the last game of the season on Thursday, November eleventh. So uh, start a frenzy at Paul Lorenzi for that game for for sure. Yeah, that'll be that'll be one one to show up for for sure. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, the only the only loss on the season is still that just disappointing uh 01 result to Grand Canyon. Right. And hey, Washington's wow. number two in the country too. Good God. That would be huge if we if we beat them. Pac twelve is good. Because San Diego State's really fucking good, I think. Stanford, Cal, UCLA, you know, those, those teams that are further down south <laughs> on the West Coast. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. far so south. Many, there's so many teams in sunny areas <laughs> with a lot of heat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, so not first yet, but got a couple of chances against uh, the mighty, mighty Washington Huskies men's soccer team. Uh, Brian Fenley, moving on to uh, men's basketball, has predicted a massive season. Uh, from Oregon State forward Warith Alatiche, which is great because we're kind of in the middle of people like Ken Palm ranking the your elite eight appearing beavers. Uh, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight elite eight reigning participants, I guess. <laughs> 
as the 73rd team in the country. And our group chat was kind of popping off about this because uh, Ben, you were on one really. And I was kind of of the like, well, are you surprised it's Oregon State? No one respects us. And you're like, fuck that. We went to the Elite Eight. We lost two players. This is bullshit. And I agree with you. Um, but Brian Fenley is predicting a massive season from uh, where we're retail at So does that yeah, make talk about one talk about one guy who does respect the beads. Fenley loves the he beeves. does yeah he does love the beeves and and we love him shout out yeah. to you, Brian Fenley for for telling it like it is Oregon State being the best at everything uh, but yeah I think I, I I think we talked about this with Sam from the Peyton years on the episode that he was on uh, I think we're all expecting big things out of Worth this year uh, he showed so much last season I think the most encouraging aspect of his game was honestly in the NCAA tournament when he was kind of having a harder time on the offensive end, really just his shot wasn't dropping, but he still made a lot of plays. And uh, as I, I wrote in the, the essay that I wrote on making it this far and like how crazy the experience was of experiencing March madness like this for the first time ever, he could cover 94 feet of the floor, like by himself at all times. And I think he's only getting getting better and adding more to his game. So I won't be surprised at all if Warith hat just pops this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and in in Fenley's uh sort of breakdown, he mentions this, but uh Alatiche came to basketball late and you could tell like watching him in the tournament last year specifically, you could tell that his fundamentals weren't completely sound like like somebody like uh uh Thompson's were. Yeah. Um but that to me that shows that he has he's going to take one of the bigger steps um not out of just anyone on the team but like really out of anyone who was in the tournament that you know wasn't a senior didn't go pro um so i don't think that his prediction is is that far off uh and i mean it, it is alatiche's team to take if if he wants it so um it will be fun to watch him this year, but I think he was one of those guys where you're like, he could definitely be playing in the NBA at some point. Um, well, he did. He did enter the draft, right? He he, he got yeah. evaluated a little bit, and he got some feedback, I'm sure. But like the part of it that excites me is this: like Fenley is a national media anchor talking about Oregon State basketball. That is not common. That is that nope. is that is like fairy tale for one. Yeah. Um, but but the part that I think is is crazy is that he says, quote, it will be a transformation unlike anything we've seen in college basketball in recent times. That's so crazy. <laughs> Which feels like hyperbole, like he's fucking with us, but it's something that could be true. I mean, but like well. you could you could see it though. You could see it. Yeah. He's like like Benny was saying, like Al T he was raw and he came to basketball right. late. But the but like the gifts, the athletic ability is there. The instincts are there. If he can just develop a shot, like a consistent jumper, like it would be game over. He's yeah. just like he's everywhere on the floor. He's everywhere on the floor. Um, and this this like it's one of those things that like I thought in my head watching the March Madness run last year. Like, damn, if Altisha comes back, he's gonna he's gonna like just blow the doors off of like yeah. every every gym. But like no one was saying that, right? And then he declares for the draft, but everyone kind of thought, yeah, like he's just feeling it out. Of course, I don't think he'll actually go. But part of me was a little bit worried too that he thought like maybe this is this is my stock. 
this is all I've got. But him coming back is obviously a belief in himself that he can improve even further. There's probably feedback he got that said, you can get better. Here are the areas that you should get better at uh, from these NBA you know, scouts. And he's probably worked on that all offseason. So he's going to come back and then he's going to be, it's going to be an insane, insane growth. Like we didn't really ever see these progressions in any of our promising players Mm-mm. in in recent times. Like we really have not. I mean, it's been like the Thompson brothers. They both came in highly touted. They got better and they, but they were also very good. Their floor was very high. They didn't, they also didn't come close to touching their ceiling either. I mean, but maybe not, but they also like, they just, they stay, they still improved. Right. And so, yeah. but like, it wasn't like this whole, like, whoa, where'd this guy come from? Kind of right. kind of season. We never, we've never had that. We've literally mm-hmm. never had that. So no. I would love to see that from Altisha. And I do think that that's going to be the case. And, but like to see a national media member say that publicly <laughs> and, and not just in like a, a, some radio comment, it was on his Twitter and it was, his, right. it was the tweet. <laughs> it was, yeah. This was the tweet. It wasn't. It wasn't like a comment on on some L.A. radio show. So and, and Fenley's not an Oregon State guy. Is he UCLA, UCLA guy? guy. He's UCLA yeah. guy. Real real quick because you had mentioned this or, or touched on it, Terry. That uh, Ken Palm ranked us what seventy third behind, sitting right behind Dude. Colorado State and UAB. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So I mean, because if you yeah. look at it. Uh, and and it doesn't really matter, but like the the respect is something that I think we all live with, sort of that chip on our shoulder because Oregon State just gets dogged every single year, no matter how they do the year before. Um, so it is it is annoying to see that they still don't get that, even though the only players that they lost were Zach Reichel, who like I love Zach Reichel, but he wasn't necessarily like a pivotal key player and and Ethan Thompson who was our best player but he wasn't our best player by uh, the Count. wide margin yeah. that like Cade Cunningham was for Oklahoma State yeah right and we have nine newcomers say, yeah say we called Ken yeah. Palm right now how many players on our roster do you think he could name <laughs> like I I know these guys watch a ton of film and this is yeah. their job and I don't want to be like they we know as much as they do but like I kind of have a feeling Ken Palm doesn't know who Jared Lucas is. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's what I was looking at. It's like you have Alatije and Jared Lucas and Kalu that are all coming back. Like, how are you how are you gonna say like your rankings right now would have us outside of the like, tournament? <laughs> that's right. sort of ridiculous. Like, did you did you watch us lose to Houston by five in the game to go to the final four? Like, yeah, I don't like let's not forget that the uh the secret weapon that shouldn't be that so secret is still here. Tinkle is still right. the coach. Yeah. Do not underestimate the power of Tinkle. See, we all, we all underestimated Wayne Tinkle at one point in his tenure as Oregon State's head coach, and we learned. We learned, and we yeah. apologized for it. We sought repentance for it, and I believe we've been forgiven. We'll find out in this life or the next if we've ever truly been forgiven for it. Ken Palm... <laughs> You know, you know, you should be taking Tinkle seriously. You know, you should be respecting Wayne Tinkle and you're not. And that's fine. That's your choice, Ken Palm. But I, I don't know. I think uh, I think we're going to be saying we told you so sometime in March 2022. I was going to say, Terry, I thought you were going to say because people don't. People don't forget. Ken Palm. <laughs> <laughs> that was like eight years ago, man. Well, people don't forget. <laughs> People don't forget. They do not 
forget. Uh, forgetting, though, about the past and moving on towards the future, Oregon State football moves on from its bye week, and we have what is now a pretty pivotal matchup against the University of Utah, the alma mater of Deschutes Brewing founder Gary Fish, <laughs> which has been alluded to and incorrectly cited several times on this podcast. Uh, Gary Fish, the founder of Deschutes Brewing Company, went to the University of Utah. Not Oregon State University, uh, but not the four and two Oregon State Beavers host the four and two Utah Utes who just beat Arizona State. This crazy year in college football continues. Uh, the pack is just beating up on each other. I think, you know, after Oregon lost to Stanford, Arizona State was kind of looking like the the team that could take over, even though they I. I feel like huge sanctions could come down on Arizona State's program tomorrow or 10 years from now. We never really know. <laughs> What's clearly is that what is clear is that Herm Edwards has done a good job from a football standpoint with that program. They have a lot of talent, but Utah handled them last night, y'all. And yep. it's going to be a tough game at Reeser next week. How are you guys feeling about uh, Utah for our homecoming game? Two, four, and two teams who are both in the mix. So first, I'll be at homecoming. JP, play five seconds of I'm Coming Home by I'm Diddy and Skylar Gray. Home. I'm coming home. Tell the world I'm coming home. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I was going to say. Now, JP, play five seconds of homecoming by Kanye West and Chris Martin. <laughs> It's going to be a rainy, very, very rainy, traditional Oregon State football game. But here's the problem that I see. So be sure to wear your hoodless bomber jackets that don't reach your line. I will be in the terrace. I will be in the terrace. You can find me in the terrace. I'll be there with uh, my little mini me handing out stickers. So if you find us, you want a sticker. He'll be uh, he'll be the only baby mini baby joining me for the game. But here's my worry. Jonathan Smith sounded like, yes, we understand we need should commit to the run. Then we're still trying to get Chance involved in the offense. We're trying to get the receivers to wake up. Like, he admitted as much. With this kind of downpour that's about to come through Corvallis on Saturday, throwing the ball is not an option. Normally for us, that's a good sign. We're leading the Pac-12 in rushing yards per game. However, did anyone else see... Well, Utah did ASU after they made adjustments to halftime to their running game. Shut them the fuck down. They shut them down. Like 200 yards ended up being like sub 20 yards in the second half. And whether that was ASU abandoning the run or if it was Utah making the adjustments, I whatever. But like that has me very worried because there's no adjustment you can really make in a game that's just in a torrential downpour. It's a running game at that point. It is a do not lose grip of this ball. Hold it for your dear life and run as forward as you can. My prediction preseason was a loss against Utah, 13 to 7. Maybe I foresaw that this was going to be a wet matchup full of rushing yards and very little scoring. But uh, I don't know which way to take it from here. I really don't. I, I want to take this as a win because. I would love to believe that this bye week was a turning point for the program after losing the Wazoo, who looks a lot better than we kind of gave them credit for going into the game two weeks ago. Um, Delora is 
clearly it was the missing piece on offense for them. And we have no answer to when they go five wide, as Benny has talked about multiple times. But yeah, I don't know where to go with this. I feel like we're going to win 14-13. And then it's going to be because they missed an extra point to tie the game at the end of the game. Ooh, very specific. Yeah. Benny. Uh, I, I'm with Jay. It, this is a tough game to call. I think that, um, so like, uh, I, I, it's obviously uh, pretty widespread news that uh, Utah had one of their players um, uh, shot and killed earlier this season. So RIP Aaron Lowe. Um, Absolutely. But, but from a football perspective, like as a team, you can take that one of two ways. You can either, you know, crumble and, um, and, and, and not really uh, know how to, to handle the football aspect of it, or you can rally together as a team and, and, and sort of play for your fallen brother. And uh, Utah has very obviously done the latter. Um, so from a, a basic football perspective, that has me worried. Um, they lost two games early on, and they've sort of steamrolled after that, right? So after they lost to San Diego State, they beat Washington State, uh, by double digits, they beat USC at LA uh, by double digits, and then they just beat Arizona State by double digits. Um, so that has me worried because they're playing lights out right now, and they could be the top good. team in the South. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that they probably prove that with yeah. their win against Arizona State. UCLA has looked good as well, but um, yeah. but yeah, I think that the argument certainly can be made that Utah, if they're not the top team in the the south that they're certainly playing like the top team in the south in the last three games um but again like when you look at those opponents outside of arizona state because they've been playing lights out too you know washington state wasn't playing good when when they played utah um and then usc i mean that was our sort of our win that that we've rallied around and and it's sort of been the highlight of our season so far but like usc has not been playing very good since they lost to us um so i don't know what to make of it i i think that um you know you'd mentioned that utah shut down arizona state's run uh in the second half uh i think that oregon state has a running offense that is really tough to shut down for a couple of reasons. They're dynamic um, and their offensive uh, and B. I mean, obviously like BJ and, and Fenwick are, are incredible, but like the offensive line is also really, really good. Um, so I don't know how Utah makes those adjustments, but what has me really worried is the play of, um, of chance Nolan. Right. So like they can key in on the run. And if chance doesn't come to play, like if chance doesn't come to play, we're fucked essentially uh, because then they will be able to just key in on the, on the run and load the box. And then what do you do with that? Um, yeah. So I think, I think the, uh, the key will lie with uh, chance Nolan. If he can come out firing, uh, especially in rainy weather, like that's, that's a good sign. And then the defense too, like the defense has to hold strong uh, and get some takeaways. Um, we should win the turnover battle just because it's raining in the Pacific Northwest. And like, we should, we, we have to use that to our advantage. So um, I think, I think Oregon state wins this game. And I think Oregon state wins this game on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I think uh, I, I think we get three plus turnovers. And I think if we Ooh, do get three plus turnovers, three, Jesus. Um, two, then, two fumbles. then we win. Yeah. Yeah. To, on your point about the running game, there is a there is a positive development potentially is that Jake Levinga could be back for Utah. Right, he's 
is probable right now or whatever, whatever it is, that equivalent is in college football. So I, I agree with all that. I, I, I don't know if the rain necessarily translates to it being low scoring. I don't know that both of these defenses will be able to keep both opposing offenses out of the end zone. Or at least, you know, I, I've, field goals will be just a total crapshoot in in this game. If if the if the weather, you know, we are recording this uh, six days ahead of time, so the, the forecast can change. But um, from what we're expecting, it's going to be a, a a slippery, rainy, uh, gross night <laughs> in the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. So I don't know, but I feel like that that leads to you know a lot of like missed assignments and missed tackles. That BJ Baylor is going to be even tougher to tackle. Um, sa- same goes for you know the Utah running game and. I don't know that I I, I want to predict us winning like 10 to 7, but I don't see our defense only giving up seven points. <laughs> I don't see Utah's defense only giving up 10 points either. Um, I'm going to say we win. I think we've all been predicting wins recently. We've been playing good and it's not, you know, it's not that, uh, you know, crazy. We're, we're, it's, it's not that, you know, unbiased and homerism to be predicting wins in the recent games that we've had. But I'm going to say we win under the power of a lot of yards by Baylor and Fenwick. And I'm going to predict Trey Lowe pops one, at least one, like a big, maybe not necessarily for a touchdown, but like Trey Lowe is going to have a big ass gain at some point, which is a hilarious right. prediction. <laughs> Trey Lowe <laughs> yeah. will have one big gain. Like what? That could be 15 yards. That could be 80 yards. What is Terry talking about? Did, Trey Lowe is going to make a play and then I'm going to tweet about it when he does. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> He almost um, did a couple of times yeah, uh, against Washington State. He's been close. He's been close. Yeah. Uh, I say we win. It's I think a weird score. We're going to win like 25 to 19. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, it is it is one of those things where I think reigning uh, in the Pacific Northwest, like, those teams just have a natural um, advantage built in right there. And I think that that may be what is needed to sort of slow this Utah team down because their offense has been lights out. And if there's any, if we play like we did against Washington state where we just didn't know what the hell to do and that, that will have me worried because of the lack of defensive adjustments that were made in the, in the Washington state game. If, if Utah can figure it out early on that, that will have me really worried. Right. Benny, I I think we skipped uh, a score prediction for you. Yeah, um, I, I I agree where I don't think that this game is going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be sloppy, uh, but I think it's going to be, let's say, a, a Oregon State win 31 to uh, 24. Nice. I think it's tight all the way through, though. Great. We'll see. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Uh, what? Just real quick on this. What do you guys think? I mean, this this by week has to be it came sort of at the perfect moment. I think it did. But like this has to be sort of a come to Jesus moment for specifically the defensive coordinator. But I also think the offensive coordinator blew it in the Washington State game, too. I mean, we shied away from what we were doing best on that last drive. And I, you, you can't make those mistakes. Right. So what, what, what do you think our game plan is going in? Uh, maybe from an offensive perspective, what is our game plan? Run the ball. They're going to run the ball because they want to be say and they want to protect chance. Uh, JP, you said something interesting going into it that Smith was talking about how they need to establish the pass game and they need to get chance going and they need to get the receivers involved, which they do. And I'm kind of thinking I'm finding myself here thinking what's better for Smith to do 
should Smith be trying to win this game, each game that's in front of him, or should he be playing for the future? And you you can do both of those things. I'm not saying that you can't, but we do need to understand. And I've been maybe the most critical of where we currently are in this season. I'm the one who gets the most mad initially in our group chats. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, Smith does need to be pragmatic that he needs chance. Nolan is likely very possibly the quarterback for this team for the next two seasons. So you can use these games for him to build rapport with receivers to develop and improve the passing game. I think it's also likely that this is the coaching staff that we're looking at. I know Lindgren's name was hot right after the USC game. I doubt he gets a promo, uh, a job that at another program that's perceived as a promotion. Um, you know, it'd be, it'd be hard to consider him as a head coach for a power five program. Same, especially the same for Tibisar. So it's, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see the way Smith goes at it because you could potentially be playing for a Rose bowl and maybe even beyond in 22 and in 23, probably not this year, even though we do control our destiny, we've talked about, but just realistically, it's probably not happening this year. So that's where I'm trying to think about when he's sticking with chance and maybe passing in situations where we maybe don't want to pass in because we're not just, we don't want Smith to just try and win individual games. We want him to re continue to rebuild the program and be in the best spot for the long haul. And I think we're caught in a weird spot right now where we are competitive and we have a chance to win the conference, but we still clearly have such a long way to go. And some of these games are still clearly teaching moments. And I think that's just a hard thing for coaches to you know juggle with. Um, that results aren't necessarily you know the measures of success. I think you see that sometimes with rebuilds that appear to be ahead of schedule and then two years later they haven't improved at all so i don't know and i don't know that this game will be an example of him sticking with chance when maybe he shouldn't but it certainly is an opportunity and that's just something i'll be thinking about for the rest of the season and uh in, in in how uh we interpret smith's approach approach to the game plan and uh and the play calls because i do think he's he does i do think he has his uh toe in both this year's pot and next year's pot yeah i mean that's a really really good point that you bring up where um i mean nolan's a sophomore this year right and so uh so you do want to instill something in him that he'll be able to bring um to next year like you want to be looking at it from that angle certainly um but again, like we haven't played in a bowl game since 2013. And so you have to take advantage of this, the strong start of the season too. And, and by doing that, maybe if chance doesn't come out uh, firing on all cylinders and he throws an early pick and then maybe a fumble or, or whatever, like if he starts out really slow, um, I don't think that Smith should be looking at it from a, this is a coachable moment. We'll keep chance in there no matter what, like you have to look at putting in either Neuer or if Jebby is ready, then, then him. Right. And that can, that can be a coaching moment for Nolan as well of like, Hey, like you've had a chance to go in there and, and see it from a firsthand perspective. Like now take a step back and, and take a look at like how our offense looks when you're not in there. Um, and, and you can learn something from that too. 
Uh, but I like personally, I think what they need to do is they need to draw up a play. They need to look at Utah's defense and find a play that will work. And and I think good coaches can do that. They can have one play in their back pocket, but they're like, okay, if Utah lines up in a man defense, we can pull this play and it will work. If not for a touchdown, then for a big gain. And I think they need to do that early with chance and they need to get his confidence up because we saw what he could do up until that Washington game and that Washington game, he hit some sort of brick wall where it's his confidence just plummeted and he couldn't get it back. That needs to be Smith's number one objective. I think in, in the first quarter um, of this game is he needs to get chances confidence back. And if I think if chance can see one of his passes go for a touchdown, like who knows what happens? I mean, that could get his confidence back right there. Chance is obviously the one who needs to get going and the one we've been focused on the show, but yeah. there have been lots of drops in the yes. receiving. Uh, yes. Yeah. Ag- he's, agreed. he's, he's had some bad luck there, which is why I would like to see them come out and just try and throw some quick hitters, some high percentage passes, you know, get Tajon back, get, you know, Trevon back, like uh, even like Zariah B. I, I don't care. Trisha, I, you know, I love Trisha Harrison, but any of those because those guys need their confidence restored too yeah. and it's once you at, like it's sort of you know like, like old at when a receiver drops has a really bad drop throw him the ball on the next play so to limit the amount of time he has to think about it yeah so i would like to see them do that whether can contingent and this utah team being really tough and uh, being a tough defense it's going to be hard but I want to see them try and do that early just so it doesn't become uh, all right, BJ, you're going to, we're going to try and 40 carry our way to a victory tonight. Yeah. Well, anyway, it'll be a big game at Reese stadium homecoming Beaver fam, get down to Corvallis, get to Reeser second half of the season, the bye week and the first half of the season are in the rear view mirror. Yeah. This is uh this is where, this is where, this is what dreams are made of here. The home stretch, Chance to uh, get us to go bowling with a couple more wins, still control our destiny in the Pac-12 North. Could be uh, could be going down a gold-paved road that ends in Pasadena. Let's hope for it, because you can't spell Chopham without hope. Thank you again to both Amy and Lawrence and Nicola for being our guests on this episode of Belligerent Beeves, the 19th episode of Belligerent Beeves, the Sammy Strader episode, which I was going to say at the beginning, I'm kind of glad I didn't because that's very misleading. I that people be like, "Oh shit, Sammy Strader's here?" <laughs> <laughs> Loves Sammy's probably my favorite beeve ever. Uh, we'll get Sammy on an episode at some point in the in the near future, uh, and we will we will for sure get Chad Ochocinco on an episode as well. <laughs> I think we should That's get right. him on the eighty fifth episode of Belligerent Peeves. That yeah. gives us some time to get on his radar. Gives us a little bit of wiggle room. We'll keep tweeting at him. We'll slide into those DMs. And be like, hey, what are you doing, uh, October fifth, two thousand twenty three? It's the 85th episode of Belligerent Beeves, and we want you on, Ocho. Uh, we'll You'll see. just get a child please response. Yeah, uh, you, and, and I'll tell him to kiss the baby. Yeah, how about kiss that? Kiss the baby. <laughs> we'll give it. Ocho loves McDonald's, so we'll get him McDonald's for uh, for coming on the pod. Uh, but yeah, so big big stuff uh, ahead for the the soccer programs, uh, basketball again just around the corner, and of course Oregon State football back in action at Reeser on October twenty third. JP will be in the house at the terrace as always, uh, with at least uh, the little little. Mini, mini Everett in tow with a stack of stickers 
maybe maybe Funky Paul Molina as well, maybe a couple other people from the Belligerent Beeves adjacent fam. If you're in the terrace, say hi to Jay and be loud, be proud, be orange, be everything. And Beva. Yeah. Thank you again, Cynicola, for being on the show. That was so much fun. That was such a fun yeah, conversation. Was. We're going to have awesome. them on again. I already, yeah, we I, have. I already messaged uh, Coach that we owe them beers at Sky High next time we're in Corvallis. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. So it's happening. And uh, yeah, so. Thank you, uh, Beaver fam, for tuning in to this 19th episode of Belligerent Beavs. 19 of these things now. So much fun. And uh, we will see you on the Twittersphere and on Instagram and at Research Stadium in the Paris of the Pacific Northwest. Go Beavs, baby. Chop them. Chop them. Chop them.